Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest concludes with part four of a series on the power of imagination. I don't know how much we're going to get through uh, with this message because, you know, things went a little lengthy there. Uh, We were just following the Holy Ghost, and that's okay, isn't it? That's all right. Praise God. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a little nugget from what I intended to preach on. We've been talking about the power of imagination, and I think that one of the most important reasons that God has gifted us with the power of imagination is so that we can begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And when we see ourselves the way that God sees us, we begin to do the things that God called us to do. Amen. And we reach the people that God called us to reach. And uh, I pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. Another thing that happens when you begin to see yourself the way that God sees you is the enemy begins to see you the way that God sees you. Amen. And I, for one, want the enemy to be afraid when I wake up in the morning. He's awake again. Head for the hills. He's liable to start spouting the word of God again, cutting us to pieces with that sword. Amen. A lot of people don't have that vision of themselves, but you need to change the way you think about yourself. Change the way you see yourself. Amen. The classic example from Scripture of someone who was called of God and had a mission in life that he was destined to perform, but could not see himself the way that God saw him is the story of Gideon. Amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belongeth to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Amen. Now, a little backstory is in order here. If you read the story, the Midianites came in because of the sin of Israel, because they turned their back on God, because they began to worship idols and not follow the ways of God and the commandments of God. God allowed the Midianites to come in and oppress them. The Midianites came in, burned their crops, ran them out of their villages. So they were reduced to living in caves and coming out now and then foraging for whatever food they could find. And when this story begins, Gideon got brave enough to go into a wine press, find some wheat grain, and he began to thresh the wheat in the wine press to hide himself from the enemy. Right away, the picture you get is not a picture of someone who is brave and courageous. If he's hiding in a wine press and he's threshing wheat in that manner, amen? But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you you mighty man of valor. Before we go any further with this story, I want to tell you something about what the Bible means when the Bible calls you a mighty man of valor. Amen? That word there, mighty man, is from the Hebrew word gibor. A gibor is a mighty warrior who is conquering and advancing in the face of the enemy. That's what a Gabor is, okay? And this is the way the Lord saw Gideon. Just to give you a feel of what the Bible means when it refers to someone as a mighty man of valor, I want to read to you a description found in the Scriptures of three of David's mighty men of valor. 
It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8 through 12, starting at verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against eight hundred, whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now in each of these examples where the word mighty men is translated, it is translated from the Hebrew word that we already discussed the Hebrew word Gabor, someone that is wearing armor, someone that is armed and is advancing in the face of great odds, yet is victorious. I'm telling you, there was a special kind of anointing on these mighty men of God if they were able to do things like that. Amen. Glory to God. So are you getting a a picture of what it means to be a Gabor? what it means to be a mighty man, what it means to be a mighty man of valor. Now, valor there means courageous and brave. So you got a mighty man who's an armored, armed warrior advancing in the face of the enemy with great courage and bravery. That's a mighty man of valor. Amen. And this is the way that God saw Gideon, who was hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. Amen. So when the angel of the Lord called Gideon a mighty man of valor, this is what he had in mind. This is the image he wanted to project onto Gideon. He wanted Gideon to see himself the same way that God saw him. Because remember, it bears repeating, God calls those things that be not as though they are. Amen. He sees you the way he created you to be, not your current state. The point is this, the sooner Gideon saw himself the way that God did, the sooner he would become exactly what God called him to be, a mighty man of valor. With that in mind, let's continue reading in Judges chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. Gideon said to him, he replied to the angel, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, this is my interpretation of this passage. Basically, the Lord was saying, 
if I have to, if I can't raise an army to rally behind you, I will use you to single-handedly defeat the Midianites. Glory to God. Now, it's evident in the passage that we just read that Gideon did not see himself the way that the Lord did. And if you read the whole story, you see that it took a process of time for him to begin to see himself that way. God saw him as a mighty man of valor like the ones we just read about. Not a frightful weakling hiding in a wine press, trying to thresh out a little bit of wheat so he could make a loaf or two of bread for his family. It's also evident that Gideon did not see himself doing the things that God called him to do. God called him as a conquering hero, a deliverer of Israel, not the weakest member of the weakest tribe in the tribe of Manasseh. God had a mission for him to complete. And in order for him to complete that mission, Gideon had to see himself in a new light. He had to see himself the way that God created him to be. Amen. He was a conquering hero destined to deliver the Israelites from their Midianite oppressors, destined to lead the land of Israel back towards righteousness, the righteousness that they had abandoned. Amen. So let me wrap this up by saying, I believe, as I said before, one of the most important reasons for our God-given imagination is to enable us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Amen. It's absolutely critical that you begin to see yourself in a new light. If you're going to do the things that God has called you to do and reach the people that God has called you to reach, you need to start seeing yourself the way He sees you. Amen? He sees you in the Spirit, not in the flesh. He sees you under the anointing, not in your own strength. He sees you doing mighty exploits, not just eking out a victory here and there. He sees you as a total conqueror. Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I am not just a conqueror, but I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. More than a conqueror. I heard a testimony of a man on Sid Roth the other day who had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus appeared to him and asked him, Would you like to see yourself the way that I see you? And he said he wasn't sure he wanted to answer the question because he wasn't sure what Jesus was going to show him about himself. You know, he's a little nervous. But uh, he said, I've learned over the years that when Jesus asks you a question like that, gives you an invitation, you need to say yes. So he said, yes, Lord. So the Lord showed him in a vision how he saw him, how he looked upon him. And he said, I was standing there, I saw myself, and I had on a coat of armor, a helmet, He said it was shining, bright armor of God, and it was amazing. Now, I had a similar vision about a year ago, and I saw myself in the vision. I had on a suit of armor. It was like uh, one of the knights of the round table type thing. And the armor uh, was plated, and some of the plates were silver, and some of the plates were gold, but they were very, very shiny. And I remember in the vision... I had my helmet off, and I had it sitting on a table, and I was sitting in a chair, and I was polishing my left shoulder blade, whatever you call it. My left pauldron, the armor expert tells me. I would have called it my shiny silver shoulder pad, like in football. You know? But I was shining the armor, and I came out of the vision, and I heard the Lord say, 
Stop polishing your armor and get up and use your armor for battle. So I guess the Lord was saying, you have a revelation of the way that I see you, but you got to put it into action. Amen. Glory to God. So from time to time, God may give you a glimpse of how he sees you in the spirit and you need to pay attention. But listen, we can always turn to Ephesians chapter six in the word of God and read about the full armor of God, which I believe is always on us, whether we realize it or not. We need to recognize our defensive weapons, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and our offensive weapons, the sword of the spirit. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The anointing. Hallelujah. Praying in tongues. We got a lot of offensive weapons and we need to learn to use them. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. If we're going to do the things that God's called us to do and reach the people God's called us to reach. Amen. I believe God gives you a glimpse now and then of these things, either through a vision, a dream or in the word of God so that he can stimulate your imagination so that you begin to see yourself the way that God sees you as mighty warriors covered with armor, wielding mighty swords, vanquishing every foe that comes against you. Amen. I'm telling you, the devil knows the people who know who they are in Christ. He knows and he fears that. That's why the devil has thrown the traditions of men into the church so that the majority of the body of Christ don't even know who they are in Christ. Don't even know that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't even know that they're new creations in Christ, which never before existed. Don't even know that they're joint heirs with God and with Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus, our elder brother, belongs to us by inheritance. Most of the body of Christ doesn't know any of that. Once you find out who you are in Christ and begin to operate in the rights and privileges that accompany that status, you are destined for victory in every battle that you face. And you will complete your mission and finish every task that's been assigned to you in this life. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on the power of imagination. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teaching, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.